Hey, what's up? This is Ranting with Randy. I'm Randy, and this is a podcast about anything and everything that could drive a sane person stark, raving mad. And no, it is not a COVID-19 uh, podcast rant introduction. That int- Can I speak, maybe? That still doesn't exist. It probably won't ever. Uh, I'll just keep complaining about how there is not one instead of actually making one. Uh, but as I sit here, as the skies open up and we wait for... Apparently, we're not waiting. Apparently, Tropical Storm Faye has arrived, and I wish somebody at the National Weather Service would have had the balls to just name this Tropical Storm Fucked, because we are because that is what we are right now. As we sit here on Friday, July 10th, in the midst of every state practically in this country having an uptick in cases, an uptick in deaths, an uptick in, like, just stupidity and frustration and exhaustion and confusion and... All of it. it. It should just be tropical storm fucked because that is where we are right now. It is torrentially pouring. We are fucked. We are. We need to unfuck ourselves. And and part of the way of doing that is um, listening and learning from the things that Lincoln Mitchell has to say in in educating us in in moving this country forward. I I just pretty much agree with everything that he says, and uh, occasionally want to take the conversation down some dark, twittery deep state conspiracy theory-laden rabbit hole, uh, which we could do another time. Uh, but in the meantime, and in between time, he'll, he'll um, promote his event, his uh, Zoom panel discussion on baseball and COVID and sports and COVID and sports and politics and COVID. And uh, he used a word like some type of like tripodial uh, thing. Like, I learned a new, I have to go now Google the word that just is basically a $50 word for tripod. Or stool. And some stools have four legs. I have a stool in my apartment that has four legs. He talked about one that has three. Tripodial? I, what? Okay. I, I, I did pay attention to the rest of the podcast. If you know the word, let me know. I'll go Google it uh, when I'm done with this just so that I can become more informed because words matter. And you know what? What Lincoln says matters too. And so I'm going to be quiet now and here you can listen to what Lincoln has to say about all things COVID, politics, and the huge. Okay, so it's good. It's good news. Linky's back. So we're live on the pod, and Linky is back from his little escape from New York City. And he, okay, so go first. Let's promote your thing first, so then we can get all over the place because there's a gazillion things happening. Go. Okay, if there is a crossover between Ranting with Randy fans and baseball fans, this is the event for you. On the 22nd of this month at 7 p.m. East Coast time, I will be joined by the uh, famous historian Frank Garitti, the scholar of election of voter suppression, Tova Wang, and two very prominent baseball writers, Stephen Goldman and Craig Calcaterra. We will be discussing baseball and politics in the COVID era, how baseball can or cannot return, the Black Lives Matter movement, how that impacts the coming baseball season, sports and race, sports and politics. This is a very good panel. Uh, we had a very successful first part, and this is part two. The name of the event is Say It Ain't Contagious. Are we really doing this? And if you are interested, again, it's free. Uh, you just email me at Lincoln at LincolnMitchell.com. Let me know you're interested, and I will add you to the list. And when I send out the Zoom link, you can get it. So I hope you can join us. It's a great conversation. Everyone had a great time last time. And uh, and some of us wear funny baseball shirts for the conversation. Okay, I think it's amazing, and I think we could rant about a bazillion things, but I'll do it after. We'll do that after, because I'm probably going to have a million questions and comments about sports and COVID, yeah. and I don't want this to be about sports and COVID. Okay, we'll, we'll touch that at the end. Okay, so I think it's going to put my name on the list and send me the email, and then what I'll okay. do is I'll link that in the Twitter feed, because I definitely want to be there. 
Well, I don't have the link yet. So okay. I'll send you, the, I'll send you the, uh, the the link to the brochure on the Twitter. All right, sorry, that's my ADHD. But I think, dude, I don't even know. I don't even know where to start, Lincoln. It's a, it's so much going on, and I know you talk about so many things in your Mitchell Minute, and everybody that listens to the podcast listens to your Mitchell Minute, so I don't want... I think we could touch on everything, and I know you like to keep it under 45 minutes. I could rant for the next seven hours, not only because, A, I have nothing to do, B, we're sitting here for Tropical Storm Fay, and C, uh, where else are we going? But I know you let, you think people like short, small chunks, and maybe we have to do multiple parts, but yeah, we I'm... We can do every day, because we're not going anywhere. Dude, I want to rant every day. I wasn't the one that left town to go to some beach with a beautiful backdrop where you were in a hoodie because it was probably chilly and beautiful in Massachusetts. And I couldn't swim because the water was so cold it made my broken leg hurt. Okay, Womp, I feel really bad for you because I wanted a podcast, and I think somebody else that you were hanging out with also wanted a podcast, Womp, but your internet was crappy. So I'm glad you got your Mitchell Minute out, and I'm glad you were able to do that. But let's – dude, we're – okay – what do you want to start with, the Supreme Court? You want to start with the Russian bounty? You want to start with, like, the deep state that, that's now coming out? T- Tucker Carlson and, and, I mean, David Duke going out? I mean, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. What did David Duke do? No, it's just Tucker Carlson and David Duke have, like, a rapport. David Duke is now supporting Tucker Carlson on Twitter, and people were going nuts that David Duke even had a Twitter account. Because it's some, like, random name. I didn't even go down that black hole. I'm also, like, all eyeballs deep in the Jeffrey Epstein, Jelaine Maxwell thing. I don't even know if you want to go into that. There's a lot. I, I, I mean, I'm going to have to catch up on that. There's a lot going on. Um, and and It's all hopeful, distractionary, but go ahead. The hopeful side of me says that the this is the moment where the uh, forecast is looking gloomier for the Trump regime. And they are kind of going double or nothing here. They are accelerating, trying to accelerate the move towards a kind of non-democratic regime with dual levels of citizenship, one for those who are white, straight, and Christian, and one for everybody else. And uh, I hope it's not succeeding. You know, I mean, Tucker Carlson, uh, his comments about Tammy Duckworth are so striking because, I mean, they're just... Disgusting. You know, her line, let him walk a mile in my legs, was very moving. But but also, it just, you know... He couldn't walk two steps in her fucking legs, is the point. No. No. But it just goes to show how, for some people... Was that Barry White? No, it was Leonard Cohen. <laughs> my, my, my phone ring, but I gotta call that guy back. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> it just goes to show how, for some people, you know, the fact that Tammy Duckworth isn't white, or, you know, one of her parents was Asian... Um, just disqualifies her from being American in the eyes of Tucker Carlson and in the eyes of, you know, a few million of his followers, probably not 100 million of his people, but... And and that is the, the deeply, deeply racist vein that, let, that just undergirds everything in the Trump era. And I, it's very... Uh, I feel horrible for this Lieutenant Vindman who yeah. literally, like, had to throw in the towel of his 20-plus year service, honorable service and sacrifice, and so did his brother. Like, it's so ridiculous. I mean, I say it's ridiculous. I understand that there are many profound ripple effects to all of that, and this guy's probably like, I don't even want to be part of your fucking disgusting military. Right, guys, I mean, the Vindmans will land on their feet. I, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm much more concerned about... But it's the concept that this guy has been forced right. by a fucking cadet bone spur having bully who doesn't do a fucking thing in his life. He doesn't even take his own goddamn SATs. And, and what we're going to see is more of that. I mean, I think what we're seeing is now is a preview of what happens if Trump does get reelected, which is unlikely, but where, where he's going to come after everybody. 
And, you know, so Michael Cohen got carted off back to the who's gal. Okay, can, can no. we talk about this for one second? Do you, because the word, it, it, the mixed messaging is that he was remanded because he refused to sign a, a gag, like a do not release his book bullshit until his sentence was over or that he right. was caught at a restaurant dining out, which may or may not have won against the conditions of his parole. Now, I don't think, I mean... Or I, does I it even really fucking matter? I mean, to some extent, it's it's just... You know, there are plenty of people doing too much time for minor crimes who are not getting paroled right now. And that's the bigger Amen story. Amen to that. And, and we are... Because he still cons- doesn't think the fucking rules apply to him, which is also part of the white privilege problem. Who, Trump or Cohen? No, or Cohen, both. Well, yeah, both, that's right. but no, Cohen. That's right. Co- Cohen, what happened to Michael Cohen is that Donald Trump hung him out to dry and he got pissed off. Michael Cohen didn't, like, actually think through any of this. He's not like he really changed who he is in the world. But... Which is sad. Which is sad. But this is, we are, you know, it, the, the Vindemans are an example. They will go after everybody, right? They are turning the government into something that, that, that fully is, is fully committed to doing whatever it can to keep Donald Trump out of jail. And the main engineer of that is, uh, architect of that is, is William Barr, who is deeply committed to that, who has completely corrupted the Justice uh, Department. Which I think ties into Jeffrey Epstein, if we can pull that thread late after you're done saying what you're saying, but go ahead. Right, so, you know, and, and at the same time, you know, your, your point, I mean, I mean, this Mary Trump book, which, you know, the thing about the Mary Trump book, when it comes out, if we can read it, is that I have to admit, there's a kind of a prurient interest on my part in reading it, but there's nothing new in there. I right. mean, there's, you know, it's, he's documenting things that most of us kind of already knew. Did you really think, Donald, like, the fact that Donald Trump had someone take his SATs, does that surprise you? Doesn't no, it me. doesn't surprise me. The fact that his, they absolutely shredded the trust from money from the rest. Right. I mean, he's a disgusting human being, but the fact that they did all of that preemptively and she had to go and scurry around, like running, running around and taking things in secret. Like I had to do that with my grandma, when my grandmother was sick and moving out because my mom's sister was such a disgusting human being. And there were certain things that I wanted sentimentally. Right. Right. Like I went to my grandmother's apartment and took those things because I knew that was the only way I was going to get them. Like she knew that if she didn't take those things, she would never, ever have another chance to get them because they are so absolutely despicable and disgusting. They probably would have burned like, everything. Like, my aunt got my grandfather's bust of, of FDR, but I got his shillelagh. Yeah, which I think is much more useful in today's times than the bust of FDR. Well, although, although, frankly, what would be very, very useful in today's times would be FDR. Yeah, FDR would be helpful. So, let, okay, so I just, going back, okay, so FDR, let's go back to this, let's go back to the Supreme Court. Is, he, is yeah. he ready? Does he need to make his phone call? Who? Trump to Kavanaugh? No, who's go, who are you talking to right now on the side? Oh, Asher. Oh, is he... I was just saying, just found out that uh, Robert Mercer is, like, the head of uh, Renaissance Technologies, which is, like, one of the most successful hedge funds in the world. But that's actually probably a legitimate hedge fund. Jeff, here's my thing. I started listening the, to this true anonymous. Robert Mercer's a bad they're guy. Did you hear anything from these people? Did you hear anything from these people yet? I meant that spoke of right. the evilness of what. Yes, yes. That's a, listen, I think what's important, though, going back to hedge, hedge funds, quote unquote, is that I am now starting to believe that Jeffrey Epstein was like a stoolie and his hedge fund was actually just like a payment option for all these disgusting white pervy yeah, like, like child molesters who like well, yeah, paid mean, him to like pimp out all these girls before before uh, my uh, Asher came up and started talking about Rob Mercer we were talking about something else about that was of critical importance I was really going to crack this whole thing wide open the Supreme all, Court 
Right. Supreme Court. I mean, <laughs> we can always know, go back to Epstein. Go ahead. I mean, I'm not a huge John Roberts fan at all. But what strikes me about a lot of these, and, and I mean, and, and I was said something, I mean, I think there are a lot of players who are looking around. There are those who are simply tied to Trump, right? They're going down with the ship bar, the Trump family, Jared, most of the cabinet, Pompeo, Pence, these other yeah, people. Fair. Pence, of course. Uh, a lot of the leadership in Congress so far, McConnell, people like that. Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy Matt yeah. Gates, all these yutzes. But there are others who see a life after Trump. I mean, you've, you know, there have been reports of Fox News beginning to distance themselves a little bit from Trump. John Roberts clearly sees an America after Trump. And in, and in John Roberts' view, that America has to, conclude, has to include a Supreme Court that he controls and that has some credibility. So that's why they are not falling in line completely with Trump. And that is encouraging. On the other hand, you know, one of John Roberts's, and we should never forget this, one of the areas where John Roberts has had the greatest impact uh, during his tenure on the court has been on voting rights, and not in a good way. He has been an opponent of the Voting Rights Act and, and therefore an ally of voter suppression. So what, what concerns me there, and, and John Roberts, I mean, I don't think he's a good guy, but he's not a stupid person. He's right. not like Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a moron. John Roberts is not. And, and, and what Roberts understands, he's got, I mean, obviously he's an accomplished legal mind. I, mean, I don't agree with him. But he's also, he understands the politics of the Supreme Court, which is the Supreme Court always has to do a balancing act between the law, interpretations of the law, ideology, because Roberts has a conservative ideology, and the politics. And if he, he needs the credibility of the Supreme Court, because I suspect that coming down the pike between, you know, more or less now and, um, I see, and, and a few months after the election, or you know, the period immediately after the election, will be a lot of cases around voting rights. And Roberts is building up credibility now so that when he comes down on the wrong side of voting rights, he can say, actually, don't go too far because we need to stay on top of this. When it, when he, he can say, but look, I'm not a right winger. I did these other things. So I remain suspicious. I mean, I'm glad he's ruling the right way on these things. But, you know, until every vote is allowed to be counted, until everyone is allowed to vote uh, by mail if they need to, and until the United States government at every level, including our, our individual states, understand that during an election, the role of the government is to make it safe, easy, and safe meaning no one's going to steal your vote, no one's going to steal the election. Right, you're not going to get COVID by going to vote. Go ahead. But also, like, your vote's going to be counted. <laughs> right. Right? To vote. The role of the government is to make it so that every individual in your neighborhood, in rural Mississippi, on a college campus, can vote more easily, not less easily. And, and, that, incl and that includes that if you feel you're, if you're an older person or a middle-aged person or a 25-year-old is overweight— and you feel you're not safe because of COVID, you don't want to stand in line, that this government's job is to make it easier for you to vote. And until I see John Roberts taking that position, he's no hero of mine. Right, but it's also, what's interesting is this Ridge guy who was one, Tom Ridge or whatever his name was, the, he was in the, uh, like, came out and said just before on TV, Trump is actually cutting off his own nose to spite his face because the majority of the Republicans in other districts, like, and, and down the ballot, rely on people in these rural places in the middle of fucking Nowheresville right. to vote by mail. And if he continues to push this whole fucking voter fraud theory, they're going to, he's, he's basically like, fucking them to, like, save his ass, which is well, what yes he thinks. No. Yes and no, because I tell you, I, um, two points here. One, on the technical side. I mean, I've done election work in different parts of America, and, and just in 2018, I was out in a district in Ohio that was kind of the area around Columbus, Ohio, but not the city itself. And there were some, I was walking precincts and this kind of thing, and uh, for the Democratic candidate who didn't win. But some of these precincts are enormous. I mean, you think of a precinct, it might be two square blocks in Manhattan, right? But these are enormous. But everyone drives. 
Right. So if you go, if you're older, if you're 75 years old, semi-retired or retired, and you leave your house at 11, and you get your car and you drive to your voting place, and you, you know, you could probably wait in the car before you vote. So I think they can make it safe. But even so, even if this analysis is right, if the election, if everyone is allowed to vote, Donald Trump will lose. Quite probably badly. If there is some voter suppression around the edges and it helps the Republicans a little bit, Donald Trump will still probably lose. He has to steal a lot of votes to win this election or suppress a lot of votes, which is another way of stealing votes, because if you suppress a vote against, you're stealing a vote for it. Correct. What Donald Trump is really trying to do is to sow uh, doubt about the outcome, right? So look at his just today tweeting huge, you know, people should never be allowed to vote by mail, only people who fill it absentee ballot, blah, 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 blah. It's nonsense. All he's saying is don't believe the outcome because he wants that when he claims the election was stolen. Today he said a big problem will be that we won't be able to announce results on election night, right? But, of course, on election night, the reason you can't announce results is that you have to count the votes, right? In California when polls close or here in New York when polls close or in Mississippi when polls close, they're going to announce it right away. You know, the state of New York goes for Joe Biden. The state of Mississippi goes for Donald Trump. But that's because it's not close in those states. In Wisconsin or Michigan, oh, Michigan maybe not so close anymore, or Florida, the reason they're not going to announce the results right away is that they have to count the votes. Now, I learned in my you know six years of graduate school in political science that when you have an election, you should count the votes. And that's a radical idea, but that seems to be what Donald Trump is against. What he suggested today was that simply counting the votes carefully is proof of voter fraud. Some people would say simply counting the votes carefully is proof of a good election. Right. Right. So he's just trying to create the doubt, create the doubt, create the doubt, even if some of his voters, because if you're a Trump person, if you're, you, let's say you wake up on election day, I'm trying to be nice about this, <laughs> and, and, and you wake up on election day and you put on your, your um, MAGA hat, you know, and presumably you put on some bizarre t-shirt with Trump on it. Or a Confederate flag. And your Confederate flag and you grab your And you grab your tiki torch. Right, and your Confederate flag belt buckle, and you head down into your, in your you know, in your... Uh, and your beer cozy. Right, your beer cozy in your car. <laughs> You go vote for Trump, but then you stand in line, and the line's an hour long. And you say, screw this, I'm not voting. Then when he says the election was stolen, you say, yeah, I had a bad experience, therefore it was stolen. Or you sign, so, sign up for your mailbox, your mail ballot, and you never get it. And you say, aha. So, so, well, mean, that was when he had the kids reaching into the ballot and stealing them out of the actual right. mailbox. I mean, I mean, you know, Trump's mentor, uh, I saw this overseas, where I watched Trump's mentor, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, quite a bit. And, and what Putin learned, particularly in Ukraine after the Orange Revolution in 2004, was just muddy the waters. Confusion and distrust is the enemy of democracy in fair elections. And whereas Trump, Trump will have, I'm just going to get a glass of water. Go ahead. Whereas, whereas Trump will have a hard time here winning this election, it's much, the, the, the goal of just simply sowing confusion and distrust is pretty doable. And that's what he's doing. And that's what he will do. So the fact that it might hurt some of his voters, it doesn't really matter. The point is that it's true. I mean, that critique is right. I'm just not sure it's important. Okay. But still, I mean, it, it's just him raging. Well, it's not even him. I think it's, I think it's the people around him. I think he's too... I, I think he's too declined. I think he's actually... Just his mental capacity is, oh, yeah. is, is just too diminished for him to even... Comp- These tweets that he's been tweeting out are... Definitively, a thousand percent not from him. They've got to either be from like his little tweeting Nazi Stephen Miller, or or somebody else, or that other dumb guy that uh, that that tweets from. I don't even know that guy's name. That his uh, 
Ugh, I can't even remember. I don't even want to remember his name. It's not even important. But, like, the whole indoctrination bullshit, like, all the dog whistle words that they're using about opening schools and, you know, that he's spewing from his orange yeah. face hole about, you know, we're going to... School is not the place to indoctrinate our children and all of this... So a friend of mine... A friend of mine who's a, who's a very, very experienced veteran political consultant, very smart guy, uh, forwarded me an article, I believe from the forward, saying that, um, I want to get the names right, saying that uh, the Democrats are being funded by billionaires like George Soros. Joe! Go, come on, keep going. Dyer. <laughs> and, and one other. <laughs> Pick a Jew, I, any Jew? Is this like... Pick a Jew, any Jew. I want to see if I can find the email. Because, and, and just speaking of dog whistles, like that's a totally below the radar screen thing, right? But it's not. Um, uh, well, is this a Trump campaign? So he's, all, so he's already tweeting that he's telling the Treasury Department to re-examine. He's going like after Harvard now with their tax-exempt status because they're yeah, run by the radical left indoctrination? I Maybe Jared Kushner's been I mean, indoctrinated. Michael Bloomberg, Tom Steyer, oh. and George Soros. <laughs> the tree juiceketeers. Yeah. It's hard. I'll tell, I tell you what. Here's, what I'll, here's, here's my offer to both Donald Trump and Bloomberg to, to make everyone happy. I will, allow, I will encourage Trump to add another Jewish name to the list if Bloomberg gives me one of his billion dollars. That way I could be a Jewish billionaire. <laughs> I don't even know if we should be laughing at that. Can we, no, should we be laughing? Not. Should we be laughing about whether or not Roger Stone is going to get pardoned? What's the over under on that? I don't know. I mean, I, I would assume he will. I, I, can't, I mean, I well, Manafort's out. The only one back is the schmuck is Michael Cohen, the one who actually like probably has documents and photos and information that he doesn't want out. Because I would right. love but that picture. Said, I would love for said. that book to just be nothing but pictures of text messages from Michael Cohen to Donald Trump and and when like we, cash receipts. When we talk about prison and COVID and these yutzes like Cohen and and uh, Stone and Manafort, I mean, we just cannot forget that there are many many hundreds of thousands of Americans, probably more, in prison who are at great risk. No effort is being made to help them. They are spreading it to each other. For what it's worth, the guards are vulnerable, their families, their communities. And, and we, right. the, the, uh, the uh, mass incarceration is an enormous human rights blemish. It's an enormous human rights tragedy. And this is making it worse. And, and as much as, I mean, like for me, I, I, I don't I don't no love lost for Paul Manafort or Roger Stone, but I, but I just feel like. But if schools are safe to send kids back to during COVID, why is Paul Manafort and Roger well, Stone not well, going? Well, we should clarify here because I don't have school age children either. To you, but I did, and if I did, I would not want Paul Manafort going anywhere near their school. Well, correct, but the kids shouldn't be going near a school either. No, I was joking. But yeah, no. I know, I know you're, I know you're I joking. Mean, I think it's a complicated issue, the school issue, because the problem is this. The kids go to school. Okay, maybe you can tell yourself the kids aren't vulnerable. Their parents, their grandparents, the teachers, others who work in the school, the communities that they're coming back to, right? That's, that's, that's all true. On the other hand, the economy cannot move until kids go back to school because – But so, so my point is that we need to have a discussion about this, like a serious, honest, pro and con discussion. And we can't because this lunatic tweets out, if you don't go back to school, I'll cut your funding. Half these schools don't get funding anyway. From right. But – but it is, it is just an example to me of how we are in – look, even if we weren't in the middle of COVID, even if we weren't in the middle of uh, this COVID-created recession, Trump-COVID-created recession, 
we always have difficult policy problems. And, and what the Republican Party has essentially said, and this goes back really to the Bush years, is that other than cutting taxes, we're not interested in addressing policy problems, right? So you look at something like Obamacare, which is, in my view, you know, it wasn't what I originally wanted. I supported it when, he, when, he, when Nancy Pelosi brought it to the floor of the House and, and Obama passed it, and I don't want it to see it repealed. And I, benef- I personally benefited from it. So I think it's so that's the only reason. But I think it's a good program. The Republicans don't want to fix it. They want to get rid of it. And when, and, and when they had two years with a, with a Republican president, Republican Congress, no one even said, here's the bill. In the old, like a functioning government, what you do if you're Paul Ryan or Mitch McConnell is you have that bill ready to go, not on year two, but on January 22nd. And you say, here, Mr. President, take a look. If you want to revise it, we'll revise it. But here's what we want to do. And then you push it through. That's what you do if you want to govern. They're not interested in governing. So when it comes to this pandemic, school openings, this is a massive issue for every, almost every family in America. And, and the federal government... And the Republicans aren't even interested in discussing it. It's, at the and it's more level. of an issue for public school, minority, uh, lower income families who can't stagger a schedule. Your kid will go to school two days a week, come in late one day a week on every third Friday. They'll have to bring their own lunch. Hey, and there's, they, a lot I of mean, school, there's a lot of private school families who work where both parents work very hard to, so that they can send their kids to private school. Right, but then, they, it, yeah, but when you can send your nanny to drop off and pick up your kid. Yeah, but not every, not every, it, that, that's... I mean, in fairness, that's not what it, this this affects everybody, right? I'm not, not saying everybody. it doesn't. I'm saying it disproportionately and, and affects me, certain believe people. Believe me, in New York, in New York City, there's a lot of kids who go to public schools so that their parents can have second homes, right? A lot of the kids taking those seats at Stuyvesant or Bronx Science so that, so their kids can have not everybody, yeah. But it's not like it's not quite that simple, right? Well, it's a whole. It, co- it is a complicated mess, but I think it's obviously like anything in life. It's simpler for some people than it is for others. But I think the bottom line yeah. is when you have buffoons like this Governor DeSantis, who has now become the most right. punchable face in America. I mean, he has so far surpassed. He really is the guy that looks as dumb as he is second to Trump. He just looks like a fucking idiot. Yeah, and, so and Chris Cuomo's going like that on this. Did you see that? that, that? I didn't. Does Chris Cuomo want to just punch him in the face? DeSantis is giving a press conference where he talks about how, you know, they said that the, uh, we open up, there'd be a spike and there hasn't been. And he's going like, he's kind of moving his, like he's shaking, like he's nervous. So this pans back to Cuomo in the studio and he's kind of imitating DeSantis shaking. I think the problem is that Santos is shaking because that article came out about he's secretly, how he's such a pussy that he's secretly cutting funding from Trump fundraisers because he's now scared because half of his state is dead and dying. Yeah, they can't have that convention there. They can't have the convention there. What about he's bringing his, like, Petri dish of germs to New Hampshire, which is fitting with their license plate, live free or die. Well, apparently they've canceled that because of the Oh, they did? Is that why he's going to Florida right now? I don't know, but I just saw somewhere that they canceled it just online. Oh, before. shit. He's actually, so that's like breaking, we need like a breaking news. Th- boop, 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 boop. Like we need like a little breaking news thing. That's why he's getting on the helicopter and he's on his way to the U.S. Southern, oh, in the great state of Florida. He's going to the U.S. Southern Command. I, it right. makes me nauseous every time this guy walks to the helicopter and this poor Marine has to stand there and salute this motherfucker. I don't know how this guy does his job. I would just want to just, like, while I'm saluting with my middle finger, like, towards my forehead, just fucking flip him off. Because what a, what a ch- shithole. Like, and the fact that they painted Black Lives Matter in front of Trump Tower yesterday, even though de Blasio was there doing it, which he probably, he shouldn't have been. He should have just, like, stayed away and let the activists oh, do care. it. It's the, one, it's the one good thing de Blasio's done in the last few months. I mean, still, 
let the other people have the glory. Like, go go stay the hell home and solve all the other problems. But I think uh, the fact that he's going, it's good that then he canceled his New Hampshire. Uh, yeah, I mean, just save lives. I mean, I don't think he did it because he wanted to save lives. I think he did it because no one would have showed up. And I think he didn't want to talk in front of, like, an empty fucking crowd and just his, like, blow-up monuments know, that he was the bringing. The hopeful part of me, the hopeful side of me, Uh-oh. believes that there are more and more people who realize that they have to distance themselves from Trump within the Republican Party. But who do you and think in that plantation White House said, bro, cancel the fucking event in New Hampshire? In that plantation White House, I don't have any idea who had the strength. I don't think there's... I mean, I've never seen a White House where no one stands up to the president. I always just remember the thing about Donald Trump. There are many things about Donald Trump, but one one thing is he is a physical coward, right? Yeah. I mean, he's he's not somebody who he has I everybody mean, fight his fights for him. He's a fucking bully, and then he runs away and hides in a bunker. Right, but he's yeah, I mean, he's a physical coward. Yeah. Right? In, in the way that you know, I mean, I mean, like like in 1989, I just saw a photograph of this for a book I'm writing. But after the earthquake in San Francisco. President Bush, a few days later, came to um, the city. Mm-hmm. Now, Don Trump, first of all, Trump would be afraid to come to San Francisco for all kinds of reasons, but he would be afraid of the aftershocks. I mean, he's a physical coward. So I think that if you just, if someone in the kind of security, secret service said, listen, we really don't feel it's safe because of the storm, you probably shouldn't fly up there, he would stop. He would pull, he would, you know, whereas, so, you know, whereas a guy like Bill Clinton, who was not, you know, was not, no, didn't serve in the military either, but Bill Clinton, would would never shy away from them. I mean, this is a thing you can cancel. But I wonder what it means to his Trump people in New Hampshire that he canceled because he's too scared to go. He's going to blame it. Trump is going to blame it on somebody that he can't go there. He's going to blame it on the liberals and he's going to blame it on, right. you know, nobody wanting it to be outside or inside or whatever. And his Trump people are going to be like, why is it not? It's safe to go everywhere else, but it's not safe to come here. Although, although in fairness to the, the, the Trump people in New Hampshire, I got to email from my Republican friend in New Hampshire sent out to a, like a CC with a bunch of people and he said we're calling the number reserving tickets and not going and or, or, I did yeah, that I a, signed up on the website Republican in New Hampshire yeah good this is from a New Hampshire Republican so I think that the people I mean you know I mean the risk the thing about these rallies is that the death cult rallies the death cult rallies is that Let's say, hypothetically, he had gone ahead with the rally and it had been well attended. There's not a single swing voter in America who sees that rally and decides I'm more inclined to vote for Trump now because his speech is so stark, raving, nutty, right? Well, Stephen Miller's speech. This is all Stephen. Right. There's no – but politically speaking, there's no upside to the rally. The only upside to the rally is you keep Donald Trump happy. Right. It's an ego stroke, right. The downside is enormous, right? One, people die. Right. The COVID spreads around. But two, you get three days of bad press because if you do Tulsa again, I don't know that in politics you even get three strikes, right? So you can't, so, so there's no upside. So if I'm, I mean, like I say in all these, um, I, I, I want to be clear here. If I were advising Trump, and I want to be clear just so your listeners know, so we're on the same page, I'm not advising Trump. <laughs> and if I did advise Trump, if I worked for Donald Trump's reelection, my wife would divorce me, yeah. and my octogenarian mother in California would change the will and leave all the money to ISIS. Yeah. And I'm not even sure ISIS, ISIS the dog. ISIS the and dog. I'm not even sure ISIS would allow me to walk her. So I'm not working for Donald Thank Trump. Thank God. But if I were, I would tell them, stop doing these rallies. They only – there's risk and no benefit. But they're either not smart enough or they're too afraid. Well, there's no one smart him. left. I mean, let's be honest. Was there ever anybody smart? Maybe all the smart Republicans. All the smart Republicans are working on the Lincoln Project, 
and that's why they're doing the best political TV. Oh my God! Can we talk about those ads from the Lincoln Project? Okay, so I so I want to tell you about the Lincoln Project because I had a friend who was on the uh, phone call, who's again this well-connected political consultant friend of mine, and he said, and his choice of words were deliberate but unfortunate. He said. These guys, and this is a guy who has worked for left-wing progressive Democrats, often African-American, his entire career. He hates Trump. He's a progressive Democrat. And he said, these Republicans, because he's gone up against them all over the country. He's in his 70s now. He said, these Republicans, they view as during a campaign, they get your neck on, they get your knee on your neck and they don't let up. Oh, that knee on the neck reference is bad. I know. But that's what he said. But then he said this. He said, he said, and, and I agree. He, he said, these guys don't believe that when you go, when they go low, we go high. Right? You go lower. Yeah. You go lower. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And, and these, this, this latest ad with Reagan, I mean, I, I'm a child of the 80s. You're kind of a child of the 80s. You're younger than me. But I grew up, my Republican people I knew in the 80s, they worshipped the ground Ronald Reagan walked on. I couldn't stand the guy. Yeah, they a lot of people him. couldn't stand him, but understand where this is coming from and are using his words. Reagan ad. I Watch did. Reagan ad. Because Reagan is the father of the modern Republican Party. The tripartite stool on which the modern Republican Party which is wait tripartite three parts okay tripartite oh go Two, ahead three-legged stool right one is reducing social spending right two is christian fundamentalism and three is uh military strength right so 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 in shorthand greed bigotry and hawkishness right ronald reagan articulated that expressed that coalesced the republican party around that idea and it's been his party even though he's been dead for a number of years now trump trump isn't that but if you're a Republican today, if you call yourself a conservative, Ronald Reagan's your guy. And, and, and Ronald Reagan, he never used the phrase compassionate conservative. But that ad, which was complete bullshit, I remember seeing that ad. It was complete bullshit. I spent a life the day before the election in 1984, because I was too young to vote, volunteering at, uh, at the Walter Mondale office, a headquarters in my town. And we carried uh, San Francisco, not because of me. Um, well, of you could say because of you. Go ahead. Yeah, we carried San Francisco because of Reagan. Because uh, they hated him there, but uh, enough people hated him there. But the point is, it's a great ad, and and they're hitting him hard. And that stuff, you know, the problem is they're not getting it everywhere because it's just very. It's, 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 but they're fucking problem. brilliant, and they are because Twitter is spreading it, and they are every time he tweets something, some brilliant person associated with that project comes out with like just a piece of burnt toast, which is like you don't even need to understand anything. You see a piece of burnt toast and you fucking get it. You're like the dude is toasted, like it's over. He's not going anywhere. And the fact still that only gets me in my craw is that it's George Conway. I think if it was somebody else that I well, could not, picture not, George Conway is not the creator. I know one. who is. I want to know who is because I can't stand that guy. That the hypocrisy of that guy and well, the George Conway, I mean, leave George Conway aside for a second. He's not in the I mean, someone is actually like making these ads. Yeah, who? I want to know who I've been Not taking the deep Conway. dive into the Lincoln Project. Could be Steve Schmidt, I think it could be Mike Wilson, I think his name. I mean, there's a lot of these are people who run campaigns for years. They know what they're doing. They're Conway's freaking brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. He's a right wing lawyer. You know, and 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 the best thing is his daughter on TikTok. I mean, that took off. Like, I mean, yeah. what a how great is she? But like throwing her parents' like marriage under the bus, saying like her well, mom. I remember. I remember when Clarence Thomas was up for the Supreme Court nomination. Do you remember that Supreme Court battle? That was intense Ish. because Anita Hill. Testimony. Oh yeah, I mean, who doesn't and the remember Anita that? Hill testimony riveted the country, and um, and I was opposed to a Clarence Thomas being on the court, and I, I was one of the people who you know I believed Anita Hill. I didn't have that bumper sticker because I didn't have a car, but I believed Anita Hill. Right. And um, how could you and not I had, believe Anita Hill? I knew somebody whose father was a United States senator, and and uh, he, the senator, 
was prepared to vote for Thomas, for the court. And his daughter, daughter, college-age daughter, called him up <gasps> and said, you can't do this. Like me, all of my friends, we all believe in Anita Hill. You can't do this. You will, like, like nobody like me will ever vote for you if you vote for uh, Clarence Thomas. And he switches vote. That's amazing. I will it's, tell you off camera. Who's you don't have, you can. And I think it's great that you like dangle that out there because if people want to Google or, you know, whatever they want to do, they can do that. But I think, I think that it does come down to like, sometimes it's, it's that simple. It's someone's kid saying this will affect me and the rest of my life. Right. If, you, if you that, do this. That, that people, ha- I mean, you know, if you're the con, if you're that, that young woman in the con, the daughter of Kellyanne and George Conway, who by the way was twerking, which was really annoying, but still whatever. the point the point like, was made. Like just that everybody, you know, the generational shift is so dramatic right now. Right. I mean, I'm reminded of in 1972. This was way before I was old enough to vote. Although my mother in 1970, this is my first, my very earliest political memory. I was I was four. one in 1972. In case anybody wants to do that math, I was four, and my mother. <laughs> My mother was voting in that election, and she was voting for George McGovern, who lost that election to Richard Nixon. But she voted for McGovern, and I went with her to vote, and she let me <gasps> the switch for Don't McGovern. you remember going in and closing the thing and yeah, all those yeah. switches that used to make all the noise? I wish right. – I love that. So it was a little different in California, but it, looked like it was – but anyway, I, so I technically I voted for McGovern, although really my mom voted for McGovern. But anyway um, – that was a long way around. Where was I going with that? I don't know. Something about kids and like the Conway's kid and the generational oh, yeah. so, shift. So, so that, that see, I pay uh, attention to you, Lincoln. I never paid attention like that in school, and I follow everything that, that you said. That young woman, who, who uh, the Conway's daughter, like there is. Okay, so here's the thing. 1972. In 1972, <laughs> I ended up going to college years later. A school called University of California Santa Cruz, right? Which is a a, a, a great school, but it's also a. Um, just to put this in perspective, my senior year in college, I, I'm going to school in Santa Cruz, and we're going to a party in Berkeley, okay? So, so my then-girlfriend and I drive from San Francisco, from San, maybe we drove from San we drove from Santa Cruz to ended up in Berkeley, and we're driving around looking for parking. It's like we're looking out, we're driving around Telegraph Avenue, if any of you people are from the Bay Area or went to school in Berkeley or something. It's tough to find parking. We're trying to get to this party. We're driving around. And, and she looks out the window. I'm not going to say her name. I haven't seen her since uh, it's okay. college. She looks out the window in Berkeley in 1989 and says, wow, everyone here looks so conservative, right? Santa Cruz was off the charts politically, right? Great school. But in 1972, the legend, I was sure not, but the legend was <laughs> that the, the school, the two, the two three, four precincts that were on campus went 90% for George McGovern, right? Which is not a big surprise if you knew the campus. The best part is this. It went 8% for Benjamin Spock, who was running on the Peace and Freedom Party, Dr. Spock, and 2% for Nixon, right? And I think that, like, for young people today, they're looking at those kind of numbers. I mean, I joke with my kids about this. You know, like, I joke about, like, like Ruben told me that when he was probably a freshman in, in high school, there was, like... Like there was one kid, he was in ninth grade, Ruben was in ninth grade, one kid, one in his high school who supported Trump. And then like he got into it with Ruben at like lunch or something, like one of his first months on campus. He was a high school student. And, and you know, Ruben has his political views and he's not afraid to express them. And he does kind of pick up some things because of, you know. Uh, sh- shocker, shocker. I said shocker, but go ahead. Yeah, he does pick up some things. And he just <laughs> got into it with this kid, right? And then he came back and he said, basically, yeah, all the older girls think I'm cool now. Because he like, you know, so, but it's like the idea is that there's one, like, like it's such, so, so for these, these parents, like this generation gap is enormous 
And, and, and I believe um, if you're under 40, which we are not, um, you grew up in a totally different – or you might still be under 40. I don't know. No, no. I'm 50. <laughs> no, I believe I am. You just crushed my dreams. The difference Go ahead. people over 50 and under 40 just grew up in totally different Americas. And, you know, these – the notion – Trump's – you know, if you're under 30 and supporting Trump, you're a weirdo. Like, you're out there in the white supremacist fringe. And – Well, there is no gray area anymore with, the, with no. where he's taking the party. You are either a Nazi white supremacist or you're not. Yeah. I mean, if you go for him twice – So – and I think we're really at a turning point here because it's more clear than ever that if he loses, the Republican Party will be – you know, there will be – I mean, there will be the Carlson, Don Trump Jr., Tucker, uh, Tom Cotton types – who will have the votes within the party to move the party in that direction. But that's a losing direction, right? And then there will be the people that try to move it to a more, like, less confrontational direction. But also, if he wins, if somehow he slips by by the skin of his teeth, he knows what's coming at him. He knows that he has to crack down. So we are at a very volatile moment right now. I do not think that there is a way in hell that this... electorally like he can win i mean i think even people like will go into the voting booth like they know people are dying all around them from this thing this he may still have his hardcore death cult base that you always talk about but there is no way that even if you say you're voting for trump and you go into that booth and you pull you know you you like scribble in the circle for for someone else at this point there's no there is no going back because it it is just going to be a worse repetition of the previous Four years. There is no better with this guy. That's the only thing that he's been able to show this entire time. It literally just continues to get worse. And there's and, not much more worse it can. I mean, how much fucking worse can well, it the get? Bad news. I mean, the I probably shouldn't news. ask that question. And I was really hoping I was wrong about this, but it looks like I'm not wrong. Oh God. The bad news here is that if you look at the the data on deaths, not cases, but deaths, the two week rolling average for the first time today is going up. Correct. And we've had about 1,700 deaths, I don't know about today, but in the previous two days. It's the lag. A total of 1,700, yeah. That's a lot. Um, that means we are headed to 200,000 deaths by election day, and more of that by the end of the year. And, and you know, I mean, 200,000 deaths is about 40% of what we lost in World War II. This is, even in a big country, this is a lot, and 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 that's two hundred thousand deaths. With regardless of the lunacy from the White House, many people taking precautions. People like you and me, many people taking precautions. Not enough, uh, obviously. Not enough. And 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 no guidance from the federal government, and and poor implementation of the of the things we can't control. Like you and I can wear a mask, you and I can stay inside, you and I can't do a massive testing program. Right? We also can't mandate and there's no following through right. unless we go back on like some kind of lockdown, which but, I am, I have to say I, I'm all for, but go ahead. But the reason I say that is because it could be a lot worse. I mean, it could be worse because if people were listening to this lunatic, it'd be much worse. The only thing that's saving American lives right now is that most people are ignoring them, right? Right. But I, I want to stress that, you know, Joe Biden, uh, it's fascinating that we have we talked for a long time now and we just mentioned Joe Biden's name. This is how he's that's the jujitsu of Joe Biden. He's running as not Trump. Trump, not Trump, not Trump wins. But 
But Joe Biden has has presented himself to the American people for the entire time he's been running for president as the guy who can return America to normalcy. Now, now I should say, just full disclosure to your listeners, I intend to vote for Joe Biden in November, and I think that anyone who doesn't is a traitor and a bigot and uh, I agree. a cruel, venal person. I wish he'd just pick his goddamn vice president already. I don't, I don't care. He can pick I mean, this, I don't care either, but I think— He could pick this souvenir cup from a baseball game 15 years ago. I still vote for him. <laughs> but, but the point is that Biden wants to do that, but we, we can't unring the bell that was Donald Trump. The right. damage that Trump has done. We are going to, on January 21st, I think it is, of 2021, when Joe Biden becomes president Thank and God. Oh. everything goes well, he is going to wake up, I mean, he's going to wake up, he's going to sit down into the Oval Office and... Well, first it's going to get disinfected. They're going to bring in like right. a hazmat and, team and like completely... And he's going to turn to Ron Klain or whoever his VP is, and not VP, his chief of staff is, and he's going to say, holy shit, what a fucking mess in every imaginable way. Right. That's what awaits, uh, uh, the, what, if we get a President Biden, that's what awaits him. And the rest of the world is going to look at the United States and say, okay, basically everyone loves Joe Biden. I mean, he's popular. People trust him. He's a decent guy. They're going to say, okay, we, I mean, I'm, you know, Putin doesn't love Joe Biden, but that's okay. Like our right, but we can rejoin the rest of the fucking world. Right, like, right. But they're going to say, Joe, like, you've got to rebuild your country. You're not, a, you're not a, I mean, we, have, we are no longer a global leader. We cannot be a global leader after this pandemic. That's how devastating it has been. And, and that we don't deserve to be, actually. Right, that's right. And, and the rest, of, you know, once you've done this once, you can always do it again. And the rest of the world knows that. And that's what makes this so bloody toxic for, for us in the future. That's the long-term damage. Long after Donald Trump is either dead and gone or shivering in a cold jail cell, you know, uh, banging on the, on the wall next door to communicate with, with Don Jr. Yeah. That's the damage they will have done to the United States. And that's really impactful and really tragic and and you know additionally we need to reckon we collectively need to reckon with this but you can't reckon with this if 40 percent of the people still support it and and that is going to be difficult because we have to we can only move forward as a country when we one recognize that this that this was a flirtation with authoritarianism and you can carry that metaphor as more than a flirtation and that we don't want to be an authoritarian country. We want to hold those who tried to destroy our democracy accountable. Right. And until we can do those three things, we can't really move forward as a country. But right now, elections tomorrow, Joe Biden wins 55-45. 45% of the country voted for this lunatic. Right? I mean, let, here's what I was thinking. You know Matt Gates. Yeah, the tool. Yes, Matt, the DUI. Tool. My dad bails me out of jail, Gates. Yes, right, go ahead. The weird son who's... Who's an yeah? Who's like of a of a person of color or like a Latino? Yeah, but he's or, like twenty five years old or something. something anyway, he's a creep. But go ahead. Donald Trump is much worse than Matt Gates. True. And, and if Trump were a congressperson with the significance of Matt Gates, and we had you know Jeb Bush in the White House or somebody, we would still be worried, right? If Donald Trump were polling ten percent in Republican primaries in an open year, we'd still be worried. But he's the president. Oof. I want to vomit on that note. All right, maybe we should end on that note. I, want, I know, we can end on the note. We definitely have to end on the note because we've come in just under 45 minutes, but we did not even begin to pull the thread from William Barr to Jeffrey Epstein to Jelaine Maxwell, so we could do that on another one, and we could yes. talk about I'm sports. Around. I know you're around. Maybe we'll do another f- podcast tomorrow. Why not? Yeah. We can yeah. go. All right, I we'll like do it. walk, so. 
Well, you that's I know. How by the way, how are you? We should ask. Are you okay? I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm not in much pain. I just can't walk. I'm not supposed to walk. Okay. Walk. Okay. So don't walk. Just plug. You know what you can do? Plug your uh, plug your Zoom event again. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Zoom event. July 22nd, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The event is called Say It Ain't Contagious Part 2. Are we really doing this? And it's about baseball and the pandemic, baseball and the Black Lives Matter movement, baseball and politics. It's a great panel. The historian Frank Uriti, the scholar of voter suppression, Tova Wang, all these people either study and or are huge baseball fans as well. The baseball writers Craig Calcaterra and uh, Stephen Goldman and me. And it is, if you want to go to the event, just RSVP me at link, RSVP to me at Lincoln at LincolnMitchell.com. I will send Randy the information as well. She can put on the site to the to the flyer. And, on the uh, Twitter. And then we're great. how long is it going to go? Because, you know, I would only give up part of my DJ jam for you. It goes from about 7 to 8.30. But okay. Really 7 to 8. And then we just, you know, people stay. What happens is we have kind of formal, and then people stay around and kind of, you know, I know, but people might yeah. want to ask questions, and that's the fun part at the end oh, yeah, is definitely. to really go definitely. back and forth. So yeah. they can all come to my DJ Jam late, or maybe that one yeah. night I'll push my DJ and, Jam. And, and, you know, if, if you if you have these – are, these are – if you're an intense fan or if you're just kind of interested in what the hell's going on with baseball, either way, I think it would be good. Well, I think if you're interested in anything in the, in, in, in the world right now, sports does intersect. Whether or not right. you even like sports, it has to do with, like, COVID and coming back to your community. I think, see, there's a million ways – that right. you can go with this, so I'm I'll, I'll be there for sure. I mean, just because right. it's a good uh, it's a good uh, it's a good panel. Okay, I can't wait. All right, Linky, I'm glad you're back. I'm sorry. All we'll, right. we'll we'll see. We'll hold your spot on the hill. You haven't missed much. Okay. And uh, good luck with everything with the phone call with the kids. All right. All right. I'll talk bye. to you later. Bye bye. All right. Bye. Okay. So there you have it. That's everything you need to know. Uh, that brings you up to speed on all of today's most current of events. Uh, just do me a favor. Check out Lincoln. Uh, do me a favor. Do it for yourself. Don't do me any goddamn favors. Do it for yourself. You'll be smarter for it, and you'll be more informed and more educated and a better human being. If you go check out Lincoln's Mitchell Minute on his Instagram, uh, at Lincoln A. Mitchell. You can follow him on the Twitter, at Lincoln Mitchell. You could check out his website, LincolnMitchell.com. You can email him at Lincoln, at LincolnMitchell.com. Uh, if you're interested in going and participating, if you're going, no one goes anywhere. If you're interested in virtually going, if you're interested of, for, uh, of getting up off your couch and maybe going to your computer table, or if you're interested in going from your couch to your fridge to get some snacks before you go back to your couch with your laptop to participate in and watch Lincoln's panel discussion, on baseball and COVID and sports and politics and COVID. Uh, the information will be available at a, a multiple of platforms and ways for you to get it. Uh, you can hit me up at Small Pencil Club. You can join the uh, DJ Jam every night at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, you can, which is the Jam Fam, that's at Doodleheads. Uh, you can follow, did I say that I was on Twitter at Small Pencil Club? You know that by now. I don't even know what I'm talking about because everything just blends together and you just, I mean, thoughts just fall in and out of your head randomly. Uh, I will say that what's falling into my head right after I'm done with this is the True Anon podcast on Jeffrey Epstein. If you want to go down some bizarro conspiracy theory, deep state rabbit holes on Ghislaine Maxwell and this whole Jeffrey Epstein thing and the Mossad and Israel and connections and the island and the plane and the people and I highly recommend, I will tweet that out as well, I highly recommend diving into this like 9,000 episode podcast that will definitely give you something to listen to and something to do. Uh, maybe while you vacuum your house, maybe while you clean out your fridge, maybe while you, I don't know, lay on the couch and get your ass kicked in words with friends like I'm about to do. Uh, but in the meantime and in between time, wash your damn hands, wear your damn mask, and check on your damn people 
so that we can get through this and so that we can get through this tropical storm fay because it is dark, it is gloomy, it is a definite emotional eating day if there ever was one. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have anything in the house to eat like that, and I was too lazy to go to the market before, and who wants to go to the market? It's not that I was lazy. I don't want to deal with like having to sterilize all my stuff and step into Best Market, and I haven't been to a supermarket since this COVID shit started, and uh, now I'm rambling again. So check out Lincoln's website. Check out Lincoln's Instagram. Check out uh, Lincoln's Twitter. Check me out on Twitter when I'm not in Twitmo uh, for calling out the deep state snowflakes and idiots like uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, who wants you to go to Home Depot, Walmart, and school, uh, and uh, boycott Goya. Be a smart consumer. Uh, know where you're spending your money. Know whose pocket you're putting pennies into and who they support. Because Goya, oh boy, you are fucked. The only people that are now going to be buying your products are every Karen Trumper on the planet who has never walked down the international food aisle in their local supermarket Ever. I will bet a roll of toilet paper on that. That every Karen that now goes to the checkout line with a cart full of Goya beans and adobo has no fucking idea what to do with either of those things. But they will buy them to make a point and to fuck the libs. Because why why not own the libs by supporting a company that supports a racist shithole who called your people rapists and murderers and throws brown kids in cages at the border and traffics them illegally in the middle of the night and has no way of finding out where those kids are. And if you want to know more about those kids and more about the shit at the border, and I didn't, I, I'm not even reading this book. Jacob Soboroff wrote a book about it, and he's been one of the few people covering it from the beginning. And if anybody knows anything about what's going on down there, it is Jacob Soboroff. So I highly recommend following him on Twitter and reading his book uh, and, and taking a deep dive into that depressing as fuck situation. Uh, and fuck Goya, oh boya, kiss my ass, I will find other beans to eat, and I will continue to use Zatar to season my food, if you really need to know. That is what I'm obsessed with. Uh, and that's it. Wash your hands, wear a mask, check on your peeps. Thanks for listening as always, and until the next time, peace and hair grease. Peace.